Hello and welcome to the Two Who Recruit. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Two Who Recruit. This episode known as Jules, also known as Pino. So that'll be quite interesting, which we'll we'll dig into that in a while, Jules. <laughs> I haven't got a glass of wine with me now, I promise. Uh, I definitely feel like I should have one instead of water. But next time, next time. Next time, next time <laughs> we'll, we'll have an episode and a drink perhaps. So Jules, this episode is us getting to know you. And we mentioned earlier in our previous podcast for those who might or might have not listened to that, Jules and I used to live together and we work together and we know each other on a professional basis and on a personal basis. So during this session, we are going to get to know Jules in a bit more detail. And Jules also mentioned earlier on that we are recruiting ourselves. So therefore we are going to be interviewing each other. So I'm going to start off by asking Jules, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a bit about your background and how did you get into recruitment? Yeah, okay. Um, so you can probably tell by the accent. Um, I'm not from the South, although I've lived here for eight years. Um, I'm actually originally from the beautiful city of culture, 2023, I think 23, um, Bradford. So um, I was born there, grew up there, um, didn't move anywhere actually I went to the same school from kindergarten um which for anybody who has no idea what that is um you join kindergarten at three so it's almost like preschool um so I started at kindergarten and went all the way through in the same school until I was 18 so um literally yeah didn't didn't make any any school moves which is quite rare um I'm an only child um born to two amazing parents um, who are both actually teachers. Um, my, my, well, my dad retired a good sort of six years ago, but um, my mum is still a teacher. Um, my mum is a head of maths um, and my dad was a French and Spanish teacher. So I was that kid that grew up with two, <laughs> two parents who were teachers, which I think really kind of explains a lot of my characteristics and my traits um explains why I'm a huge people pleaser um but we'll probably go into that later um but yeah I mean it's it's funny isn't it because whenever people whenever people ask me questions about you know the formative years when you were younger your childhood I mean people always make this stereotype around only children you know were apparently quite selfish spoiled awkward can't socialize um and it's funny how I, I just don't I don't know people might go oh she's really selfish um I don't really kind of relate to many of those things um you know I I think although I was in one school for the whole of my childhood I was constantly pushed out of my comfort zone so we I was very very fortunate that I went to a school that really valued sport and really valued extracurricular activity extra extracurricular activities and really valued school trips and so I was always being thrown out of my comfort zone I remember having to stand on a stage in front of my whole peer group and sing a song from Aladdin um which was terrifying and I did a lot of table tennis competitions and hockey competitions and 
was just that person at school who threw their hand up to do everything and anything. And I think that really helped me actually um, not be the stereotype of, you know, not clinging to my parents, not not finding new things challenging or, or difficult. Um, so, yeah, I'm really appreciative for that, actually. And I think that's what's really helped me, especially helped me in recruitment, because, gosh, no two days the same. And we have to deal with so many, so many different scenarios. But um, I think that really, really helped me just get really used to meeting new people. So did that throughout school. Um, and then I went to university and that was just a huge eye opener for me because I was really naive and had been to one school and knew all my friends back to front. And I was then thrown into Manchester University, which um, was pretty hardcore when I look back. I mean, you know, it was a big city, a new city and, and new people. Um, but I also did languages. So I spent six months in Toulouse in France and I spent six years in Japan in Tokyo and then I spent another nine months out in France um, as part of my master's so I essentially moved my life three times um, between the age of what 18 and 21 um, which again was just really really helping me and gearing me I think towards the recruitment life that I live now if that makes sense um and then I found myself in recruitment <laughs> yeah somehow somehow it's always somehow um I think that's really that firstly just you know to begin with I think it's absolutely commendable that you spent that much time in a different country learned a new language you also speak French which I've heard you speak French Jules you are absolutely <laughs> incredible I, for one, I mean, I cannot speak French. I just about speak Gujarati. So, I mean, I think it's incredible that you learn a different language. You've lived in, you know, two different places, essentially. And then you, you, you've you also lived in London for the last eight years. Yeah. Now, the reason I laughed earlier on, actually, was because you said you picked up characteristics from your parents, where they're both teachers. So if you had to shout out two characteristics that you have picked up from your parents. What do you think those are? What have you picked up from your parents? Because I'm really keen to know. I mean, I know you said you're a bit of a people pleaser earlier on, which I absolutely, I've seen that in you, you know, just knowing you for so long. But if you had to pick two of those, what would you say they are? Yeah, my my mum's strength of character is phenomenal. And I don't think I'm anywhere near as strong as my mum. My mum is, I mean, she's been through a hell of a lot um, throughout her own childhood and throughout her own teenage years. And she lost her mum and, and her dad and then recently her sister. And that was just um, horrible to see, m m most recently in particular. But she gets up and goes back into work and she's the head of department, so she has to be there for her department. She is their mum in a way. And I, I think I've got that from her, actually. Um, yeah, there are days where I, ha I have bad days. We, we all have bad days. But I'm, I'm actually very consistent in my mood. Um, and I don't like to let my emotions play out at all. Um, if I'm in work, I'm in work. If I'm in work, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to show that I am sometimes cracking, for, you know, 
yeah, we, we've all been there. Um, and so I, I love, I love that I've got that from her. Um, and then my dad, my dad's just really good at advice. And it's, it's funny cause I didn't, I would never have said this like years and years and years ago because, um, I just wouldn't, I would never have seen this in him, but he is so amazing at giving advice and our job is giving advice, right? All the time. I have to give advice to our candidates and clients all the time. And I, we have to actively listen. We have to be able to listen to people and, 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 and act on what they say. And my dad is just really, really phenomenal at that. And, um, he, yeah, he's just an absolute legend and gosh, I ring him all the time. <laughs> he's like, go away. I'm retired. Leave me alone. Um, but I ask him so many things and he's, he's really great with advice. So I'd say mum's strength of character and dad's ability to give fantastic advice. I completely hear what your dad's saying because my mom does it as well. She's like, I've done my hard work. <laughs> you can't kind of chew their right. ear off, but it's <laughs> yeah. Go away. Um, no. yeah. Good. All right. Well, I think as well, you asked me a question in our previous episode as well, which I would love to get your perspective on what your thoughts are and how you feel about the same question you asked me. So if you were to give any advice to women who want to get into leadership positions, and this is re, this is very important to us. This is very important to show. I'm I'm sure whether you're you know whether somebody's in recruitment or whether they're in audit or any other any other sector that they work in. What advice would you give from your perspective, being an AD associate director in IAC now? What would what would you what tips would you give to other female? professionals who want to get into a leadership role yeah I think this is a really interesting topic isn't it because um I've had to do a lot of work on this I the the biggest one is I I genuinely think we need to challenge more um it took me a long time to fall into this and for it to be easy for me um challenge everything that you feel needs challenging um, yes, pick your battles. I do believe that. But I think actually just giving your opinion, throwing your hand in the air, being Hermione Granger, like be Hermione Granger. Basically, everybody's just be Hermione. Um, throwing your hand in the air, being heard, saying what you think and going with it, sticking to your guns. Um, I was so easily swayed and led astray when I was younger, um, people would convince me that that wasn't the right idea and that wasn't quite right. And now I have just got better at saying what I think and sticking to it. And so I think that's a huge one for me. Um, I think also being authentic. Um, I've come from a background where I was in quite a large recruitment agency and some of the female leaders, I just didn't... they weren't role models to me really because I didn't I couldn't they didn't empathize very much they were quite masculine um they I didn't feel they were being themselves they were being something they thought they should be you know if you think of a leader what do you think they should be like what are the characteristics and they basically took them on because they thought it was right um and I think you've got to be authentic so show emotions if you need to don't be afraid to do that um but also just just be yourself and and not feel like you have to act a certain way um, because a, a lot of women I think I think do that and you're just not going to get anywhere and you know you're just not going to get anywhere. But that comes back to clients as well and candidates. I think you should always be yourself regardless. You know, mm-hmm. just 
you know, no, no fake accents, no fake demeanor, just be yourself. Um, so I think authenticity and I think, but the biggest one is just don't be afraid to challenge. Um, I, I completely sympathize with that because even from my perspective, I face, you know, a bit of a challenge trying to challenge if that, if yeah. that makes sense. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you just, you really struggle with, oh, should I be saying that? Is that the right thing to say? How will that come across? We spend so much time overthinking about what we'll say when we do want to challenge. And I think that's the important thing you said, right? Say it, put your hand up, be, be, you know, how hi, Marnie, I've not watched Harry Potter that much, but <laughs> put your hand up, put your hand up. I mean, I, I've only managed to watch it on it like 2021 last year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mortified I'm like sorry sorry <laughs> to be listening to this he's like why is she not watching Harry Potter and <laughs> no, I, I think that's the thing I think I, I actually heard something from somebody the other last year actually um she did a bit of mentoring sessions with me and she said that as women we can often have this tendency to blurt everything out say everything spurt it all out and then men sometimes just can't interpret what we're saying fast enough or they can't really take in all the, the the noise that we can we have made and she gave me a really good tip on just thinking about how something lands really really planning and thinking about how something lands um not necessarily just saying everything and word vomit you know um actually really thinking about the point and the outcome Mm -hmm. um, and that really helped me, really helped me. That's a really good tip, actually. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jules. Oh, God. When okay. Talking about challenges, mm. and, you, and you said put that, you know, put, put your hand up, challenge. When was the last time you challenged, challenged something, anything, you know, anybody? And, you know, how did you feel about that? Because like you said, it's an improvement, and it's taken you years to, to really do that when did you do it and how did you feel yeah i've been doing it a lot more recently um from having a mentor um philippa i'll give her a little little hello um who's encouraged me to challenge things small things really small things but just to get into the habit of doing it which i didn't do before i i don't like conflict i hate arguments maybe that is an only child thing but i cannot stand conflict i'm not used to it i never had to argue with a sibling i never had to argue with my parents i was everything was very easy um and i i can't stand conflict and so i would let things pass i would let things go and we're not talking here just about work my personal life i let a lot of things go in a, in a previous relationship and i um started to challenge things that I felt were were not right and okay that that unraveled a few things that you know old Jules wouldn't have wanted to have happened but I think it was really really important to start being a bit more empowered and a bit more confident and know that some of my opinions are most of my opinions are really important because they're important to me <laughs> they're my values so I mean as a leadership team, gosh, the last time I challenged somebody was probably Dave, uh, was probably you in a, in a leadership team meeting, um, was probably a client. I challenge my clients all the time. And that's really, really important because if I don't think something's right or I don't think that they know the full truth about something, then I have to say it. That's my job. 
I have to tell them. I can't just say yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I have to tell them the truth. And so there are many times when I have to challenge in the day job. Um, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of our audience, you know, internal auditors have to challenge their stakeholders all the time. I often say that recruiters and internal auditors are quite similar. Um, we have to challenge um, the, the status quo quite a lot. So, um, yeah, I do it all the time, but I've had to do it a lot more recently. I, I just picking up on what you said earlier about challenging and you know starting to do that in your personal life. I mean, mm. I've I've gone through that as well. I absolutely relate to that because you learn so much professionally. You're really pushed to your boundaries. You really you really do need to deliver, especially in recruitment. Being a leader of the business, you you need to deliver, and along comes with that are challenging conversations and things that you usually wouldn't have said before mm -hmm. and I think it's just amazing that it develops us personally as well because yeah I've had to do the same you know we we are not alone here mm -hmm. there are absolutely things you can transfer to your personal life and sometimes those around us who have known us for many years probably think where's this coming from you weren't like that mm -hmm. but actually it's because we have values like you said earlier it means something to us if it means something to us it is important. Yeah. And I think personally, family, friends should absolutely know what, what that means and what that means to us personally. So that's a really good point. It's hard to do all at the same time, right? It's really hard to do, to challenge every single scenario that you're in all the time. Um, and so sometimes you have to pick which area is most important. And, you know, for me last year, um, work was incredibly important my career was incredibly important and so a lot of that had to happen in that in that environment but um but yeah and then I had to switch that tact and, and change it so um yeah it's a it's, it's it's I think it's particularly difficult sometimes for young women as well so talking about challenges actually whilst we're on the subject is mm -hmm. when I first started recruitment I was told why are you doing that that's just a sales job. I mean, I, I wrote an article about it because it was so important to me. And back then, I wouldn't have challenged that at all because I was a different Gina seven years ago, right? You would have been a different Jules, yeah. you know, even, even three years ago. So <laughs> my question to you at the back of that would be, do you see recruitment as a career? And I ask that just because of what I've heard in you know from my experience I'd be really interested to know what your thoughts are on that yeah I mean 100% I think it is but I think the problem is many people don't that is fundamentally the issue um with our with recruitment um we fall into it everybody falls into it you know I fell into it um but it's the best the best fall that I've made <laughs> in a way um you know it's I think, unfortunately, people see recruitment as a, a bit of a filler, a bit of a post-university, let's make some quick money. Um, that's not how this job works. This job is all about longevity. It's all about longevity. It's about knowing your market back to front. And I, I like to think that if I went on Mastermind and they asked me about the internal audit market of London between the years of 2014 and 2022, I would smash it because I feel I, my world is my market. And, and so that takes time, right? That does not take one year. That takes, I've been in it for eight years. But Guy Stacey, who's our 
director and, and, and co-founder, he's been in this market for over 25 years. So he really is a market expert. Um, but also just longevity in terms of relationships, you know, you can't forge a strong relationship with somebody in a, in a year, especially if you only talk to them three times in that year. Um, it comes from a lot of hard work. It comes from meeting somebody for lunch. It comes from um, many phone calls, um, reputation. You know, do you do a good job? Do you put time into them? And that comes from a long time. And so the mistake a lot of people make is they go into recruitment and they think they'll they'll make loads of money in one year and they can go and take their you know, loads of money and take it somewhere else. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it took me, I'm going to say at least three years to start seeing any of the rewards. And the rewards are great. I bought my first flat that I'm sitting in now, thanks to this job. But it was bloody hard work. It wasn't a quick fix. And if you if you take this job seriously, which a lot of recruiters don't do, and that's why the reputation of recruitment is so poor at times and the, the word cowboy is used and you're only there to make money and blah 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 no I mean if you are in a market that you adore and are passionate are passionate about your reputation is everything the money is is it comes okay it comes in the background but your reputation and the trust that you that you have with your clients is and your candidates is everything mm. um it's your name, it's your brand. And so I would take a huge pay cut and still do this job if it meant that I was still seen in the way that I feel like I am seen in this market. Um, because it can be really, really rewarding if you take it seriously, right? Like if you're a doctor, you take your job very seriously. If you're a surgeon, if you're a pilot, it's exactly the same. It's just people, unfortunately, don't often see it that way, which is a massive shame. Yeah. And thank you so much for answering that, because I think from <clears throat> so I think from you, you know, you knowing me so well and we've discussed this in the past. It's a real bugbear for me. The yeah. fact that somebody can view your career lower because yeah. it's recruitment. It absolutely gets to me. You can be just as successful as a doctor or any other medical or optometrist that has studied for that. And I think this is this is why we want to do this podcast right because we want to dispel the myths of recruitment and I think you really really honed in on the fact that it takes time this doesn't happen overnight it, it takes consistency and like you said reputation is everything yeah so thank you for answering that I really really appreciate that and I'm sure everyone listening to this will as well um in terms of your strengths then you mentioned being the market, you know, you are a market leader, Jules. I've seen you do this for many years. You know, clients absolutely listen to what you say. I've heard you, you are incredible. And for me, I would really like to know, what what do you think your strengths are? If if clients thought of you, what would you think they would say about that as well? <laughs> um, so I really find these hard. I find it hard thinking of any positives. I'm, I'm so bad. I'm, I'm naturally somebody who's gosh finds this really awkward um so I had to really think about this one but I think I found my strength quite early on in this career actually um I first joined recruitment age 24 I think I was and age 24 yeah I think it was 24 and I essentially did my first um 
my first client event where I was taking a bunch of clients to a wine tasting um, kind of like event. And it was, I mean, my, my, my director at the end of it said, I, I can't, I can't believe how much of a social butterfly you are. Like you can maneuver yourself into different situations. Like you can join one conversation and then bounce out of the conversation and join somebody else. And you can get on with so-and-so who might have children and play golf, or you can get on with somebody who's just totally different background to yourself. Um, but also just the ability to throw yourself into a really difficult and challenging space because at that age it was very, very difficult. Um, to the point, and it's why this episode, um, we, we've gone for Jules, aka Pino, but um, on this particular event, this particular occasion, I um, we were doing our wine tasting and I was 24, 23, 24, and the only wine that I really knew about at that age was a Pinot Grigio. And I just couldn't fathom why there wasn't a Pinot Grigio. Now, bearing in mind that I'm a few glasses down <laughs> at the point, um, all I was asking the connoisseur the wine connoisseur was where's the pinot grigio so um my nickname quickly became pinot um amongst quite a few of those clients um but again i think it's being yourself right it's authenticity and i think maybe that's another of my strengths just being quite authentic i'm northern and i'm chatty and i say stupid things sometimes and you know i'm not the most formal person i'm not stuffy in the slightest and the more i just became myself the easier it all got and the more my strengths came out so I would definitely say that a key strength of mine is authenticity, but also just networking, really, which is, um, yeah, quite important. I love that about you. I've never known that story. It's a great story it could, because I think everybody has a funny story at yeah. work with a client. It's it's yeah. great. Always. Um, always. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the time I, that I turned up to um, Everton Football Club in a red coat, which um, yes. classic jewels, just classic jewels. Um, yeah. Funny. <laughs> um, you probably don't know I'm going to ask you this one so you do know some of the questions but you also don't know a fair few actually so I'm putting you on the spot today tell us a fun fact about you uh, oh my goodness <laughs> this is like a drinking game when you get this question and you're like racking your brains the entire I time I wish we had the pinot now <laughs> oh, you, no you don't no you don't you don't wish that I had the pinot right now <laughs> Goodness knows what would come out. Um, oh gosh, fun fact about me. Fun fact, fun fact. Um, I mean, my people know this about me, but I, but yeah, you know, my my table tennis career was something that everyone gets really shocked about. You know, I was I was West Yorkshire champion at table tennis for I'm going to say three years in a row when I was under sixteen. Um, I used to train with one of the um, the old Olympic coaches, Sally Shutt, who was actually a really really phenomenal coach that I had when I was about the age of 14 15 and I actually give her a lot of credit for my hard work and resilience and if I could be anything like the coach that she was with me when I was at age um I'm doing well um so that's a bit of a fun fact I was a table tennis champion but the but the, the funny thing about that is when I met um we had Matthew Saeed um come on to one of our seminars a couple of years ago pre-COVID of course he is a table tennis champion a real table tennis champion and um I was introducing him on the stage and started rambling on about the fact that I could probably challenge him at a game of table tennis and he took it really well and bless him he was really sweet about it and took me up on the offer but luckily COVID happened 
and he, and he got to avoid it. I absolutely remember this. So I was looking at that. For anyone that was there, the GTIAC <laughs> seminar pre-COVID, yeah. I was there. That was the most flawless opening ever. And I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I mean, you might have thought that's completely different to what you had planned, right? But from an audience perspective, I I looked at that and I remember, wow, because if you did listen to episode one, I absolutely struggle with public speaking. And I looked at you, Jules, that day and I was like, wow, I wish I could do an opening like Jules one day. Oh so although that was a joke, you know, jo and I think jokes are amazing because I think it's how you build rapport. I mean, I'm probably the most sarcastic yeah. you know non-straight talking person ever and I think it's incredible that you open like that so from my perspective as your colleague as your peer I absolutely love that opening and I'm sure he did too yeah let's make people laugh you know I one of my favorite films of all time when I was a kid was Singing in the Rain I watched it every single Saturday with my granddad um I think he probably I think he still sometimes watches it because Oh, bless him, it's because he can remember me. Um, but there's that one scene where it's about make people laugh. And um, I get that completely in any of my French exams, my my French kind of speaking exams, I would try and just get a joke out, you know, French joke, get a French joke out because at least that will just make everybody laugh. So yeah, I think that's a really, really good, good thing to be able to do. <laughs> I, I probably won't make you laugh in the next one, Jules, because I probably know why you don't like this question, but I'm still going to ask you anyway. So okay. where do you see yourself in five years? What do you think of that question? How would you answer that? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, I would not take this well in an interview at all. I think it's, I just think it's a really, really, I think it's a really, really dangerous question to ask. And I think it's a really, really insensitive question to ask. In particular, somebody at my age, I'm 31, um, I'm a female and I'm, I'm, I'm newly single. Um, I came out of a, a longer relationship back in, in April this year. And this was a really difficult question for me to answer then, which was when I was in a relationship, um, being a 30 year old in a relationship as a female who's doing very well in their career and is at the level that I'm at. The, the idea of being, of then having to answer that question, well, well, first of all, family, no family, because as women, we don't know if we can have a family, right? That That's always a little bit of an unknown. And so you can say, oh, I see myself in five years having, having two kids and a dog, but many women can't have children. And, and so you ask questions like that, you, you're really kind of putting yourself in a position or a situation where you, you're planning for things that you don't know might happen, might not happen. Um, but also I think now that, comes back to now when I'm now not in a relationship and and not potentially going to have a child in the next five years and that's still a really difficult question to answer because it, it's still thinking okay well I'm where will I be in five years I have no idea where I'll be next year at the moment and and so I think it's a really really challenging question in particular it's challenging for women a lot of my friends who've recently had children would find this question also very very difficult um and therefore I, I don't believe it should be asked I don't believe in it I think it's just um I think you're never going to get an honest answer you're never ever going to get an honest answer from a female who's my age in an interview you're never going to get an honest answer because they can't give an honest answer you know oh I plan to have, to have a child in two years well for a lot of for a lot of interviewers that's that could be game over because unfortunately we live in that world still so 
I think it's it's just don't ask it. <laughs> don't ask it. I, I think I think just from from just hearing you and you know looking at you, I think I can definitely see how passionate you are about that question. And for me, it's really insightful because I'm older than you. You know, I, yeah. I don't hide my age. I'm I'm I've got a couple of years, you know, than than what you're on. So I'm in a relationship, and I I would still struggle with that, you know, question. And I think that's really important that you've hide, highlighted whether you're single or whether you are in a relationship. It's still a very tough question to ask a female, yeah. and I think it's something I do agree. I think it should it should be something that it, people or hiring managers or anybody asking that question should consider a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Actually, think about what what they're out. What what are they wanting from that outcome? What what are they wanting as the outcome to that question? To that question, um, it's just yeah. I, I just don't think it's really relevant. That, that is such a key point because if you look at the average time that anybody spends within a role, on average, two and a half, what two between two and three years. So yeah, where yeah. does the five year come from? Regardless, because an average time is between two and three yeah yeah so it's, it, it's a long amount of time your values can change within five years I mean goodness my the values that I had when I was 25 versus the values that I have now are completely different and so yeah not a fan not a fan not a fan of that question <laughs> I Don't love that, I love that. You that again. <laughs> <laughs> right Time for your bamboozled question. So another question that you don't know I'm asking you today. I've put you on the spot quite a bit today, Jules. I'm breaking my knuckles. Oh, oh. Get yeah, ready okay, for on. it. Right. I'm keen to ask this because you've got more recruitment experience than I have, right? Right. And yes. you also come from much bigger agency. So I'm really keen to know, and I think the audience might be keen to know as well, recruitment has changed so much in the last year, two years, let alone your career I mean you're 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 eight years in yeah what would you say has changed in the recruitment just just looking at a snapshot of the eight years how would you say the industry has changed and whether that might be a good or bad thing I'm just really keen to hear your thoughts on that as well yeah I mean this is a tricky one because I can't speak for the entire sector because I have been fortunate enough to work in IAC for six years and I've I've seen two very, very different experiences of recruitment. So if it's okay, I'm going to answer it on maybe what I think of the what I think recruitment can often be, what 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 often recruitment is versus what perhaps my understanding of recruitment is. I'm going to slightly diff, slightly change that the answer. Um because I think the stereotypical job description of a recruiter is, you know, find a candidate find a client, match the CV. Um, it's very KPI driven in, in most recruitment organizations. It's very, very KPI driven. So you get to the end of the week, you have a meeting with your director. And if you haven't sent, let's say 30 CVs by the end of the week, you, you're going to be in trouble, right? You're going to be in trouble. You've got a big mark against your name. Um, also, a lot of companies ask you to be on the phone for two hours. doesn't matter who you're speaking to. It's just be on the phone. And what I love about working at IAC and what I think is the, one of the best parts about our business is that we we don't work like that. There is an appreciation on quality over quantity. So if I don't think a CV is right for a role, I'm not going to send it. Um, if I think that a CV doesn't quite match the expectations of the client, but I know it's somebody they'll love, I'll send it. So I think 
KPIs um, are a thing of the past in recruitment. It should be all about quality. People are busy. Our clients are really, really busy. And the last thing they need is me shoving loads of CVs in their face because I need to hit some sort of target that my director's given me. So I don't believe in that at all. I think also how recruitment's changed is the the way in which we can use social media and the way in which we can use the, the tools that we now have. So this is a great example, a podcast, being able to speak to people. Um, but also, you know, I remember in the pandemic, well, I remember in March when I looked at my portfolio of jobs and it was, I think, one job and that quickly got cut. So I was down to zero jobs. And I was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? I can't, if I can't recruit, what, what am I going to do? And I immediately, and immediately really was like, right, I need to speak to my clients. I want to keep speaking to them. I don't want to sit here doing nothing, twiddling my thumbs, you know, going on furlough. I need to be relevant. And Mm -hmm. so I started the webinar series that was just, oh, it was so fun. I loved it. Um, It was basically four webinars within two weeks where I got all my clients, my favorite clients all together on this um, on these round tables and we all just talked about ah what are we doing what is the pandemic doing to internal audit what how are we all staying relevant in our in our professions and we all just had a bit of like a bit of a chit chat and it was amazing and it just shows you how our jobs are so much more than just helping people find a candidate we are we help our clients network we help our candidates network we share market trends we are the go to on salary information we facilitate people connecting with the people and that is so rewarding and so fulfilling and actually that's the part that I love most about our job I I can give or take um placing a role it doesn't really give me much joy what gives me real joy is helping people connect matchmaking individuals not just client and candidate but matchmaking two heads of audit you know making you know introducing two heads of audit and then learning loads off of each other and then becoming mentor, you know, mentee mentors or whatever. So I think um, the way recruitment has changed from my perspective, less focus on quantity, more, more focus on quality, um, but also the the other the other elements of recruitment, which is you know, podcasts, webinars, events. Um, that's also, I think, an area that's really diversified and changed since we've got the new tools that we have. Yeah, which absolutely. is cool. I love it. Is yeah, I think in any role in any industry, you have to be innovative. That's how a business moves forward, right? So I think that's really useful. That's very insightful. Thank you so much. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to Julia on on this podcast. And in our next session, episode three, please do listen in. We've got a guest appearance coming. So yeah, I think it will be myself, Jules, and we have a guest. So stay tuned on the two who recruit. Thanks guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the two who recruit. See you next time.